Well, hello there. My name is Jan Burt, and this is my podcast, The Burt Not Ernie Show, where we talk about God's promises and the hope those promises bring to our everyday lives. Whenever I meet somebody new, I introduce myself as Jan Burt and say, like Burt and Ernie, since it's easy to confuse my last name with a different one. And almost always, people smile when they think of Burt and Ernie. That got me thinking. I'm a Burt, and I'm not an Ernie. But how often do we live as if we're someone God never meant for us to be? Part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Hence the name, The Burt Not Ernie Show. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dig into God's promises. Well, hello to you today. Welcome back to the podcast. And if you happen to be new to the show, can I just say how excited and how honestly grateful I am that you're listening today. Welcome, welcome to you. You know, we're talking about the promises of God on the Burt Not Ernie Show and talking about the promises that God has given us in the Bible. It really is a privilege that I am highly aware of and so thankful for. I don't take for granted the opportunity that I have to speak freely about the Word of God. And I hope that you don't take it for granted either. The access that you have to the Word of God is a blessing and a privilege. And the access that you have to the throne room of grace via prayer is a blessing and a privilege that I also hope you do not ever, ever take for granted because the God of the universe wants to actually commune and communicate with you. Is that not amazing to think about? It's truly profound and 100% completely true. Today, we're going to look at a promise found in the book of Hebrews. And this promise, it's going to encourage us. It's going to bless us in a whole lot of ways. Ready to talk about it? Let's jump right in. You're listening to the Burt Not Ernie Show podcast, part of the Spark Network, now playing via the Edify app. This is episode number 143. Okay, so we're in the book of Hebrews today. Um, Actually, we're going to look at a few verses from Hebrews chapter 6, and then bounce ahead to chapter 7 to look at one more verse there. So I'm going to read the verses, and then we're going to talk about them and be super encouraged. Like, I know I keep saying that, using that word encouraging, encouragement, because it's so true of these particular verses today. And I want you to already be thinking, like, just have it in your mind. I'm going to be encouraged today. The Word of God The promise that we're going to talk about today, the word of God today is going to encourage me today. I want that to be what you're thinking as I begin to read Hebrews 6 verses 13 through 20 from the New Living Translation. For example, there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name saying, I will certainly bless you and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Okay, so going to pause here for a second and share that. Remember, when we see that word will in a promise from God, will means will, he means it. So this is God speaking to Abraham. He said, I will certainly bless you and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. That promise has proved true completely. Okay, back to our, our passage, verse 15. Then Abraham waited patiently and he received what God had promised. Okay, I have to pause there again and say, is that not beautiful to think about? Okay, Okay, he received it after he waited patiently. That's beautiful. Then Abraham waited patiently and he received what God had promised. I think we all want to receive what God has promised us. Sometimes there's a patience aspect involved in it. Patience should never, ever, patience with God should never, ever turn into doubt or unbelief. Patience with God 
should actually result in greater belief. Okay, verse 16. Now, when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. Verse 18. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. Verses 19 and 20. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Okay, now we're going to move ahead to chapter 7, verse 25. Therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. These are incredible verses. The encouragement here is tremendous. Here we are. We're following Jesus in 2023. You know, and we can we can bank on the fact that these words are true for us right now in 2023, just as true as they were when they were written. They are for us and they show us that our God is for us. Think about that. These words were written for us to read and to believe, to encourage us, to change our thinking. Because the, the direction that our thoughts go, that's the direction that our lives go. And so it will literally change our lives when we read, believe, apply, just absolutely live in a state of utter belief of what God's word says, that it's absolutely true. These words are here for us and they show us that our God is for us. Isn't that a great thing to remember? It's also something that's really easy to lose, isn't it? You know what I mean? Like it's easy to just kind of forget a little bit or semi-forget or sort of, eh. we really forget to live as if God is for us. And we may really believe that 100%. We're all in. We believe that God is for us. However, when we go into that sticky situation, that's been just really tense with that coworker for maybe the last few years, we can forget that God is for us. When we get into that family situation and all of a sudden our siblings or, you know, whatever they want us to kind of shift back to those roles where this is how it was when we were little, this kid is top dog and you're over here as a, you know, like it's hard to remember. It's hard to live in a state of knowing my God is for me right now. My God is for me, but it's still the truth. It's still the truth. And I really, really hope that by the end of today's episode, you have just a little bit more, but wouldn't it be great if it was a whole lot more belief and excitement because you've been encouraged and remember, remember, like you remember it in a way that it's stuck in your remembery system. I know that's not a word. I just made it up. Your remembery bank and you're not going to forget it. When tomorrow comes and you have to deal with that situation from the, the recesses of your remembery bank, you're going to remember that your God is for you and it's going to change things. Now, maybe the whole situation won't change, but so what? If God is changing you, he really is changing everything. You know what I mean? If you don't know what I mean, pray about that. Think about that. If God changes you, do things really start to change even if they don't change? Yeah, they really do. It's the coolest thing in the world and only God can do that. And he does that because he's for us. This is great stuff. This is great stuff. But my life 
sometimes doesn't seem to be great. Anybody else want to raise their hand? There are things in my life, there are moments, there are times, there are difficulties that just like, man, this is just hanging on. And we can start thinking, maybe this just isn't meant for me and doesn't apply to me. I really, really, really want to challenge that way of thinking today, which is why I just said all of the forementioned that I just said. Look, if it is for freedom that Jesus set you free, and according to the book of Galatians, that's the truth. You were set free then for freedom, not to be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. I think that would mean any yoke of slavery, anything that enslaves you, which would, of course, include the way that you think, because our thoughts can be very, very enslaving. Jesus wants us to be free. These verses are for you. They're not for far down the road. They're not for even down the road tomorrow or this afternoon. They're for right now. They're not for later on. They're to give you hope now. It's not far out there in the somewhere. It's it's not meant to leave you hopeless in the here and now. If you read the word of God and you only apply it to your future, to other people, to far away, maybe later, then it's almost like Satan, our sworn mortal enemy, if you will, and he should be kind of our sworn mortal enemy. It's almost like he gets a little win-win. Those are, that's how he wants you to live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you got to be into this whole Jesus thing and reading your Bible, yeah, maybe just believe it for down the road for later on. But right now, stay hopeless. That sounds like Satan to me. That does not sound like the will of the Lord for you and for I. You know, oh, sure, give him some hope, but extend it out into the future, into some great vastness. You know, if we get on that path and we stay on that path, eventually we will walk that path straight into a pit of discouragement. And that, I can promise you, is not where the Lord God Almighty wants you to end up. He doesn't want you in a pit of discouragement. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't. The Lord wants to encourage you now, as in right now. And, you know, when the future gets here, when later on becomes right now, he's going to encourage you again. You never need to worry about, if I use some of the encouragement now, will I have enough for later? Uh, yeah, he never runs out. Don't worry about that. And I know we don't consciously think that, but there's something in our subconscious that can kind of be like, oh, should I, like, yeah, maybe this is for later. I don't want to use all this up now. No, no, use today's grace today. Use today's encouragement today. Uh, take it all today, because tomorrow you can't, you get new grace. You know what I mean? Like his mercies are new every morning, it says in the book of Lamentations. And guess what? That's the truth. So I can't store up more of his mercies for tomorrow. And I can't somehow, you know, reach into the recesses of the past and grab some yesterday's mercies when I need them. No, 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 no. They're new every morning. So today, would you just walk in it fully today? Use it all up today because you get new tomorrow. Why would we not? Why would we not? And yet we often don't. So don't let yourself even start on that path. I know sometimes you can't stop yourself from starting on that path, but I guess as soon as you realize, hey, I don't want to be, I don't want to be in this hopeless place at all. I don't want to be not believing God and taking him at his word today, that right at that moment, stop and get back on track with choosing belief. Just choose belief as often as you can, really with every heartbeat. Choose belief if you possibly can. Let it be just like a, a mindset that literally changes the direction of our life. That is what the Word of God is meant to do. When the future gets here, He's going to encourage you again. That's also very, very good news. But you don't need to wait around until the time comes 
for when God's promises are going to be true and when his encouragement is going to come to you. This is for you and it is for now, today, this very moment. Do you think that Abraham had any encouragement and any blessing from walking as closely with the Lord as he did? Or do you think he only had despair as he awaited the fulfillment of God's promise? I think he had a lot of encouragement and blessing from walking closely with the living God. Do you think we can learn anything from the life and the attitude of Abraham? Not just from his life, but from his attitude. Yes, we can. Of course we can. Abraham waited patiently, and then he received what God has promised. And in that that patient waiting time in between, he was encouraged and blessed by the goodness of his God. This is good counsel. This is solid advice. Let's look at the lives of the patriarchs of the great men and women of the Bible, of those who had even moral failures. Let's look at their lives and their attitudes. Like as much as we can, what does the evidence that we have written in the word of God show us, reveal to us about the state of their heart, their inner man, their inner being? What can we learn from that? Let's learn and apply it to our own lives because let's stand on the shoulders of the giants and receive the absolute maximum that we can from being students of the word of God, which if you're a Christian, you should be a student of the word of God. If God has made you a specific promise and it hasn't happened yet, keep waiting with patience, with expectancy, growing in your belief that what God said is what will be. And as you wait, keep loving the Lord, love him with passion, love him with fervency, get after this thing. You know what I mean? When the promise is fulfilled and it will be, is it going to be sweet or is it going to be bittersweet? When God's promise to you that has not come to pass yet, when it's fulfilled, will it be sweet or will it be bittersweet? One of those is a far better choice, my friend. It goes on to talk about binding oaths. Look, people used to take it really seriously when they used the words, I swear. Maybe not so much anymore, but they used to take it seriously. And Jesus, he took those two words, I swear, when you make an oath, he took them so seriously that he said we should not swear by or on anything or anyone in heaven or on earth, but simply let our yes be yes and our no be no. If Jesus mentioned this specifically, they must be serious. And honestly, I really think we should just do, obviously, what Jesus said. Your yes be yes, your no be no. You don't need to swear by anything else. Back to our passage, God bound himself with this oath. This is amazing. He's like making a point here. I got this. I'm going to keep my promise. And I'm really, 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 really going to super duper emphasize to you how strongly he wanted Abraham to understand, like, listen, I'm going to keep my promise. Think about that for a moment. He bound himself so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. Can you even? I mean, I sometimes am just astounded by the amazing ways that the God of the universe just bends down to relate to the man that he created, men and women. I mean, man, I mean, mankind, all of it. It is amazing. He bound himself. He did not have to do that, but that is what he did. Like, why do we ever give ourselves permission to feed our doubts? Again, Satan's going to come with doubts. Life is going to bring doubts and questions. I'm not saying those are, um, that, like, at that exact moment when it happens, 
it happens to all of us, but do we feed it? I guess that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying you should totally be able to somehow avoid it because you live in this world. How are you going to avoid the things of this world? But what do you do once it arrives? You know, return to sender. Is it dead on arrival or is it like, do you feed those thoughts, those doubts? Do we fuel our own fears? Let's do our very best to be people who by relying on the Holy Spirit, don't feed our doubts and don't fuel our own fears. May we just have our mind made up that because God's grace is enough and because the Holy Spirit's going to help us, we're not going to give ourselves permission to feed our doubts and fuel our own fears, to wonder and then end up wandering. Because when you wonder, then you wander. When the God who bound himself with an oath did so in order that we would be perfectly sure that he will never, ever, ever change his mind or renege on a promise, yeah, that's what I want us to think about. Let that be bigger than, let that truth be bigger than any doubt or fear that you have. A promise made is a promise kept with our God. That's who my God is. That's the God of the Bible. He has never broken a promise. Verse 18 says that God has given his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable. It is impossible for God to lie. Okay, so, you know, I guess if I had to get down to like the very heart of this episode, the one handful of words that I want to stick with you like glue, like this one handful, these few words that I want to stick with you, stick like glue, it's this right here. It is impossible for God to lie. It ain't gonna happen, my friend, ain't gonna happen to you because it is not possible. 0% probability of that outcome. It is impossible for your God to lie to you. Is there, can I possibly be more blunt or more direct, be more frank with you? I'm not, I don't think so. You know, in the military, they say permission to speak freely, sir. And the reply is usually permission granted. I am speaking freely to you and I'm doing so with the permission granted me by Hebrews 6.18. This is the truth. My question is, is this your personal truth? How you doing at living as if this is true for you? How you doing at that? This promise that it is impossible for God to lie. How are things in that department of your life? How you doing at believing that? Listen up, Buttercup. This promise is reality, whether or not you believe it. It's true. It's never going to be untrue. So why not just accept that and move forward, knowing it as a fact that it is impossible for your God to lie to you? Isn't believing this a big, big part of receiving and living in God's love when you really believe that it's impossible for God to lie? It's impossible for him to break one of his promises. And that applies to you as a disciple of the Lord Jesus. Doesn't that make it just easier to receive and live in God's love in his very personal, completely unending love for you? Let me read all of verse 18 just one more time. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. Have you fled to him for refuge? If you know Jesus, like you have given your life to him, received his payment on the cross in place for your sins and his promise of eternal life, then you have indeed fled to him for refuge. And important to note here, if you have done that, but you have not yet been baptized, don't wait. Don't wait on that. 
really we have like two sacraments in the New Testament church. There's a communion and baptism. If you're not baptized, go ahead and get baptized as soon as possible. Just do it. If you haven't done it, do it. Do it this Sunday if you possibly can. So those who have fled to the Lord for refuge can and should have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. Look, not everything has come to pass yet, right? I mean, it just hasn't. Not every promise that God has made you has come to pass yet. Not every promise, not every prophecy in the word of God has come to pass yet. We can acknowledge that. We can acknowledge that. But hold on. Hold on. Because it hasn't come to pass yet, hold on. Keep holding on. Do not let go. And have great confidence because you are not holding on to thin air. You're not holding on to anything that this world offers. You're not holding on to yourself. This isn't about pull yourself up by your bootstraps or make yourself have more faith. You know, Jesus, and I believe it's Luke It's Luke 17, Um, When the disciples asked him, how can we increase our faith? Basically, he said, you just use the faith you've got. I mean, that's me totally paraphrasing. But he, he said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move and it will be cast into the sea. Okay. He wasn't, he didn't answer them by saying, here's how you get more faith. He just said, yeah, right here. And then right after that, he talks about the 10 lepers who were healed Nine went away to go show themselves to the priests. Like on the way, all 10 of them were healed as they turned to go. One saw that he was healed, came back, fell at Jesus's feet and said, thank you. And uh, Jesus said, were there not 10 who are healed? And there's only one who thanked me. And, and it says that that man was a Samaritan and he told him, go in peace. Your faith has healed you. You know, the faith that you have, Jesus was saying, that's enough right there. That's enough right there. So you don't have to make yourself have more faith, but you do need to exercise the faith that you have, like actually believe, if you have faith and you're believing Jesus for nothing, wow, you're going to get nothing. I mean, I'm not trying to be too blunt here, but like sometimes we do that. Well, I've got faith. What are you believing him for? Uh, crickets. Man, I would hope if I asked you that question, you could just start rattling off things that you're believing him for and you have enough faith for that. Jesus said so. You don't have to come up with more, like you don't have to hold on to your own self and your own ability to generate more faith. No, no. Use the faith you've got. You don't need to hold on to your pastor, your spouse, your parents. You're holding on to hope. And hope, there's a song. Hope has a name. Hope does have a name. It is Jesus. That song is accurate. You're holding on to Jesus. You're not holding on to thin air. So, The promise is not everything has come to pass yet, but hold on to Jesus and hold on with excitement. This hope, it's a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It says here in Hebrews 6, it leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Hello, mic drop. Amazing. Can you believe the access that you have? It's incredible. I'm not going to go into all of what it was like with the high priest once a year went into the, you know, to the holy of holies with a rope tied around him so they could drag him out if he died in there. Like you can go in any time. Wow. Incredible. Amazing. Is this not a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls as hope that leads us right into there? How can you know whether or not you're living in hope or living in defeat, whether you've let your hope just uh, fade away and you're not even focusing on having hope anymore? How can you know? I tell you how, if you never go through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary and draw close to him and cry out to him and pray and ask him for what you need before the throne room of grace, Hebrews 4.16, mercy and help for us in our time of need. But where do we get it? 
right there at the throne room of grace. How do you get there? Go through the curtain into his inner sanctuary. And what is that linked to? Our hope, because it's a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls that leads us there. So how can you know if you have hope or don't? Well, right there. What's your belief slash prayer life, which they go together, your belief and your prayer life. What are they looking like? How do you know if you've lost your hope or if you've maintained hope? Oh, right there's your answer. It's a great litmus test. Strong and trustworthy, not weak and unworthy of our trust. It doesn't say it's weak and it doesn't say it's unworthy. It says it's strong and trustworthy. Do we act like this is true? Do we live like this is true? Do we believe this is true? We sure ought to. There's nothing weak about our God. There's nothing untrustworthy about Jesus. And it leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Wow, here is what verse 20 says. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. You know, sometimes I really do think we forget how blessed we are, how good we have it as those whom Jesus has just reached down into the pit and rescued, what he has given us. These verses, they help me remember what I am far too inclined to forget in the day-to-day that comes with life in a fallen world. Okay, now let's jump to the next part of the book of Hebrews. Let's go to chapter 7, verse 25. Therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. These are huge promises. Huge, huge promise here. Look, he, Jesus, he, Jesus is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. And he lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. Did you catch that? Like, did it hit you upside the head and sort of rattle your cage and startle you? It should. Every time we read this, every time we hear this verse, we should be startled. He's got you and he lives to intercede for you. He's standing in the gap for you. He's talking to the Father about you. He's taking you before the throne of the Father today and interceding for you. Is that not just great news? A great reminder that you never ever walk alone through the things in this life. Not one single thing. And not for one single moment. Yeah, it's really great news. God cannot lie to you. That would be impossible. And he always intercedes for you, which makes all things possible. I'm going to say that one more time. Once more for the folks in the back. Hebrews teaches us that God cannot lie to you. That would be impossible. And Jesus always intercedes for you, which makes all things possible. Today, I want to encourage you to lean the full weight of your life. All of it. Every up and down. Every in and out of the whole thing. Lean it onto the promise and the truth that Jesus gives you in these verses. They are yours, my friend. These promises are yours, and they are yours right now, today, in this exact hour. Thank you so much for listening today. I would love to connect with you, and I really do mean that. I would love to connect with you, and you can find me via all the social medias. I've got links at the top of the show notes of this episode. You can just click on them and and follow me. Um, You're welcome to DM me. If you send me a prayer request, I will pray. I will absolutely pray. Um, And to all who shared the last several episodes, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You know, getting the word of God spread as far and wide as possible is the goal encouraging people to really know God's promises and to believe them is the goal. It's just kind of like the calling God's put on my life and the passion of my heart. So thank you. I'm so blessed to be a small part of what the Lord is doing in this world. 
And every time you share it, it just, um, thank you. You know, thank you for helping me do what God called me to do. And I hope that it encourages you because I tell you what, it's 0% about me. I could exit this planet tomorrow. I could be rendered mute tomorrow and not able to ever record another podcast. Somebody else just going to step right in and do it probably a hundred times better. I'm so thankful to do what I do. And I really mean this when I say it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to um, really believe God's word and his promises for you like on a daily basis. Every time you listen, you're making a choice to believe what the word of God says. And um, gosh, I'm just so humbled. That's a long thank you, but I really mean it from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Thank you. I'll see you next time. Lord bless you today. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app. I'm so glad you joined me for this episode of the Burt Not Ernie Show. It's an honor and a blessing to talk about God's promises with you. Have a fabulous day, and remember, part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Lord bless. I'll see you next time.